Hey, it's Stephanie, and this is Kids These Days, a podcast brought to you by grant funding from the Kansas Department for Children and Families. Hey everyone, Haney here. I am back for the first part of a two-part series that's not a series. (laughs) Exciting, right? (laughs) What are you talking about? So the topic for the next two episodes that um, we're going to talk about is something that I have made my mission to fix this year. And by fix, I don't necessarily mean anything we're doing wrong, but I wanted to just share information and maybe perhaps open your eyes to something um, that I've seen a lot in a lot of different programs. And so if you're listening to these episodes as they come out, when I say I'm going to fix it this year, that means it's the year 2023. If you're listening in the future, how how are those flying cars? I, I really want to know how they are. Let me know. <laughs> Anyways, back to business. So here's one that's come up a lot lately. Circle time. It has been huge. I hear it all the time from, from providers, right? Now they just, they won't pay attention. They're so wiggly. They won't sit still. They keep interrupting me. And I get it. Nobody wants a chaotic circle time. That's part of the things that we do in our schedule. And it just is one of those things that we that we face every day, right? But when I ask for a play-by-play about, well, what happens during your circle time, I usually get a rundown of the same responses. And my conclusion almost always ends up being, the problem isn't the children. It's the circle time. Here's what I mean. So we tend to think of circle time or large group time or rug time or morning minutes or opening ceremonies, whatever you may call it. So we typically tend to think of that time as a time for children to sit still, pay attention, go along with what I'm presenting to you as the teacher. And how many times have we actually seen that work? It's not often, I would assume. I believe, I think that circle time is a concept that we have in early childhood because we borrowed it, right, from elementary schools. Maybe at one point we saw those teachers doing it, so we felt that we needed to do it too. And don't get me wrong, there is definitely value in circle time. There's lots of benefits, right? It gives us structure to the day. It helps transition maybe from large to small group or small group to large group activities, Um, In my program, it was always what happened after breakfast, wash hands, potty, we sat down for circle time, and then we went out into our breakouts into our small group. It provides really good opportunities for socialization. It provides really good opportunities to practice listening and following directions, and of course, all of the learning and development that we throw in there too. But the problem is that all too often, I find that our approach really doesn't align with what's developmentally appropriate and what we know about best practice for children. And I get asked all the time, how do I get my children to sit still for circle time? My response is, why do they need to sit still? Oh, so they can pay attention. How many of you right now are sitting still in order to pay attention to this message? My guess is you're not, right? You're probably driving or folding laundry or doing the dishes because that's what I do when I listen to podcasts, whatever it is. 
We as adults have a hard time sitting still in order to pay attention. So you can imagine it might be that much more difficult for our little friends. Which means that especially when we're having problems with circle time, we don't need to focus on the children's behaviors to quote unquote correct those behaviors or fix them. We need to be looking at our formatting of our circle time itself. So I have a few quick little do's and don'ts that we'll go through that are really the highlight of what I see a lot. And the first one is timing. So if you're going to do the work for circle time, use it wisely, right? It doesn't have to be too short, but it also doesn't have to be too long. You have to hit that sweet spot in that it's enough time that you get what you want out of it, but not too long that you lose children. Because when they start to get wiggly or get checked out or you find yourself redirecting more often than actually teaching, it might be time to just end it, right? I've done an observation before where there were 12 toddlers and she went through all of the colors and she was committed to going through all of the colors, which was excellent. But by the end of the colors, by the time she got to lime green, only one child was responding, and the assistant teacher had the other 11 looking like she was hurting cats, <laughs> right? So maybe, just maybe, pay attention to those cues of your children and then identify, hey, when they're checked out, it's time to move on, right? You don't have to do every single thing you set out to do. You don't have to do every single letter of the alphabet or every single shape you have, right? You just have to have that consistent pattern. That's where knowing our children comes in because maybe they just need a wiggle break before you move on to reading your book of the day. Or maybe instead of doing flashcards for the ABCs, maybe they might do better with a song that has movement and hand claps and jumps and stomps. Whatever works for you, Pay attention to your time. It doesn't have to be too long or too short, and you can end it early. Second is have a balance of activities. We want to avoid having those long, drawn-out periods where children are just expected to sit still and listen, right? We're six minutes into this podcast. Have you sat still the entire time listening to me? Doubtful. (laughs) Remember, it's just not developmentally appropriate for us to expect their bodies to stay still for 15 minutes. Instead, what we wanna do is sprinkle in a balance of activities. I like to have a balance that has three different types of activities. Active, passive, and move. Active is where you're engaged with a teacher. Maybe it's singing songs, repeating words, answering questions. Passive, listening only, where children are expected to sit still, you know, listen, A lot of times that's reading books. Um, And then, you know, we have big movements like, you know, movement, active passive move, move is movement, hand movements, big body movements, crossing the midline, any opportunities to get those wiggles going. So as you work through your circle time routine, look at where those moments for active passive move are and how can you give those big, those balance and be able to rotate those in and out as needed. Third, seating. I'm going to make waves here. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to kick some rocks, but I'll tell you anyway, not every child has to sit on a spot or a letter 
or a animal or a whatever's on your rug. And even if they find a spot, it's okay for them to move. Our children's bodies need to move, so it can be difficult for them to stay in the same place for that long. So giving them some options, some acceptable alternatives, something like flexible seating, wobble chairs, small rockers, being on their bellies, as long as it's not bothering their neighbor, do they really need to be crisscross applesauce? Is the question. <laughs> Fourth and final highlight of a quality circle time is something called meaningful engagement. Ooh-wee, this is a big one. Meaningful engagement. So we all, we all know engagement, right? That's being a part of the learning, being active in the learning process. And then we sprinkle in that word meaningful. So what does this look like? Meaningful engagement is looking for opportunities to hold attention long enough to make the learning valuable and making it relatable to where the children are at and what they're learning. So this is where we look at the what and the why of what we're trying to do at circle time. And since we know that children are concrete, hands-on learners who take an understanding through their senses, typically we can achieve meaningful conversation and engagement through integrating those senses. So instead of just talking about the names for baby farm animals, let's bring in some toy ones and then we can make the sounds of what they make. Maybe we can also sing Old MacDonald, include clapping, crossing the midline while singing. Maybe instead of reading a book about food from other cultures, let's have a tasting party. Meaningful engagement is all about finding ways to make learning fun and covering what you want them to learn and doing so in meaningful interactive ways. So you just listen to four of those hot topics, timing, balance of activities, seating, and meaningful engagement. All this shows what you should and shouldn't do, but what can you do? Well, I, I wish I had a magic answer. <laughs> I wish I could write circle time for each of you. Uh, I would be very, very busy, but it looks so different for every classroom, so I can't teach you how to do that here. But what I can tell you is that when you keep these four facets in your mind, when you keep these four things to do and pay attention to, timing, balance of activities, seating, and meaningful engagement, they will help you be on your way to a more meaningful circle time where you're less hurting cats and more diving deeper and having actual intention. So if you're wanting to dive deeper into circle time, the Infantile Specialist Network, hello, shameless plug, has a whole two-hour training on this topic. When I said this is my year to fix circle time, we're, we're hitting, all the, hitting all the cylinders, right? But be on the lookout for it because it goes a little bit deeper than the 15 minutes I have here, but it will also help you to develop a plan for a happy, engaging circle time. And of course, you can always reach out to your specialist as well. And as I close out this episode, I have a little spoiler alert for our next one. We're going to talk about another pretty big component of circle time that we see a lot. The calendar. The calendar. So be sure to tune in to hear all about using a calendar. And until next time, I wish you well.
Kids These Days is a co-production of the Casido Kids Infant Toddler Specialist Network and Casido Workforce Development Programs. These programs are supported through a grant from the Kansas Department for Children and Families Child Care and Early Education Services. However, information or opinions expressed herein do not necessarily reflect the position or policy of the agency and no official endorsement should be inferred. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, or want to share your practice related to this or a previous episode, please email us at kidsthesedayspod at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at at kidsthesedayspod. Be sure to check out the resources for this episode in the show notes. And don't forget to rate, review, and hit subscribe. This episode was written, recorded, and edited by Stephanie Haney and music track Hackbeat by Kevin McLeod.